0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today.
2: What well, a terrific Tuesday afternoon. How are you? And uh, welcome. To the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Coming to you live, as always, at Orders Nation YouTube and uh, Facebook. We are a week away. The countdown is here for the uh, continuation of the streak for the Edmonton owners. Uh, they will look to go to 17 next week. Uh, Greger Show, as always, presented by Play Alberta. Dot .ca Alberta's only regulated online gambling website, uh, your one-stop shop if uh, you want uh, CFL, NFL, everything else but also casinos and hey, lottery. 34 million dollars tonight up for grabs in Lotto Max at playalberta.ca. <laughs> Today we're going to go into a, a little bit of a deep dive for the uh, remaining schedule uh, broke it all down. I even have color coordinated so you can see who are top 10 team opponents, bottom 10 team opponents, road games, home games, back-to-back. Uh, it's got it all at uh, ordersnation.com. So uh, if you want to follow along during the show today, I recommend maybe you go read the article. You, you can see all the uh, – gra- I split it up uh, uh, for each month. And uh, the green box, of course, is for uh, top 10 uh, ranked opponents. Uh, uh, yellow is for bottom 10. And then uh, Red is home game, uh, road games, uh, Black Eagles a home game. The uh, the Edmonton Orders, of course, uh, they have the most games remaining of uh, the teams. And I broke it down because I think there's a the top three in the Pacific, the top three in the Central. I think they've kind of separated themselves. And then you have four teams, sorry, Arizona, that I have uh, battling for the wild card spot. And uh, those four teams, of course, are uh, St. Louis and L.A. and Nashville and Seattle. And if you do a breakdown, because you know you can look, okay, Edmonton has games in hand, but who are they playing in those games in hand? That makes a big difference. And, and how, when are they playing them? Right, like the month of April for Edmonton. Edmonton has the worst month of April amongst these teams. They play ten games in eighteen days. They have uh, three sets of back-to-backs. They play five top ten teams out of ten games. It's a pretty high percentage. So the orders. If they want home, and here's the challenge. If you're Chris Knobloch, you get into March. Now, the, the, the advantage of the back-to-backs is if you look at the schedule, you know you're not going to overplay Skinner because you're not playing him back-to-back. There's no reason to. So at least three of those games he's not playing. Great. So, at and then you look at this. He can maybe play five games in the last 14 days of the season. That's that's fine. Right? That's kind of like a maybe even slower than some uh, week rotation over two weeks. So that part is good. However, when you know, if the orders are in a real race for home ice and you're Chris Knobloch, would you reduce the minutes of your top guys? Because now maybe you maybe somebody gets rested, but the orders don't have a lot of cap space. It's not like they have a lot of extra bodies lying around. At best, they might have a twenty two man roster. You know, and un- unless they make some trades that really surprise us and they somehow manage to ship out more money. Then they bring in, I guess it's possible. But that's really the only way we see them even having a 23-man roster, never mind 22. So you can't necessarily rest guys in the press box. You, you can limit their minutes for sure. And when you listen to Conrad David, he's a big believer he plays better when he plays more frequent. So I can understand it. But if you're in a race for second place, maybe first, and home ice advantage is on the line, are you resting him to get in? That's a little bit of the challenge. The, the Orders play those 10 games in the, in the fun, like Dallas only has seven games in the, in the month of, of April. Think about this. The final seven games of the regular season, seven days, excuse me, of the regular season from April 12th to April 18th. The Orders play five games. Dallas plays two, lots of other teams play three, but the Orders play five. Right. That is, uh that's big. Now Vegas, luckily for Edmonton, they play four. So if, if you're looking at a Vegas matchup, hey, both teams would be fairly similar, fatigued, possibly. right? Like I don't see any way that Edmonton's facing Dallas in the first round. I don't see Edmonton dropping to a wildcard team, and I don't see Dallas dropping as a wildcard team. The LA Kings, in the month of April, uh, they have nine games, but six of those nine are against bottom ten teams. San Jose, Anaheim twice, Minnesota, Chicago, and Calgary. Yes, Calgary is a bottom 10 team right now in the NHL. And I, I'm not sure, you know, it's going to change a whole bunch, you know, at this juncture. So uh, we'll go through it month by month. Um, you know, is there a month that's better, easier? Uh, I will say Edmonton, you know what? They can keep rolling. If you look at their schedule in the in the month of February, they have uh, two sets of back-to-backs, but neither one is that hard travel-wise because it's L.A. and Anaheim. And then it's two home games against uh, Minnesota and Calgary, two bottom 10 teams. So in the month of February, when they have their back-to-backs, three of the four games are against current teams in the bottom 10. It's an advantage. The order is in the month of February will only play three top 10 teams. Vegas, right out of the gut, right out of the chute. Uh, They have a game against Dallas on the road, and they have the Boston Bruins at home. That's it. I'll say this. If you're a Dallas Stars fan... The month of February is a killer month. So the Dallas Stars, here's their schedule. In Buffalo on the 6th. Then they play the next night in Toronto. So they play back-to-back. Then they're in Montreal. Then they come home. They got Carolina. Then they go back on the road. They play Nashville. Then they come home for one game. They play the Orders. Then they're on the road in Boston, New York, Ottawa, Carolina. Home for one game, the Islanders. Back on the road, Colorado, home to Winnipeg. So they play 13 games, none of them consecutively in the same city. It's kind of like a 13 like now there are some days where um after they play uh Montreal, they play on uh, on the on the uh what day is that? The Sunday, I think it is. No, oh, sorry, the Saturday. Then they don't play again until the Tuesday at home. So they do get a few nights at home there. But man, you are you are not playing a game in the same city two in a row all month. Dallas, if they can stay in the hunt with Winnipeg and Colorado by the end of February, things look really good. Because in the month of March, they start out against three bottom 10 teams in San Jose, San Jose, Anaheim. Then they uh, play Arizona and San Jose near the end of the month. And uh, they have a four-game, a three-game road trip. Then they got a five-game homestand, then a four-game road trip. So at least you've got some continuity there. It's not back and forth, back and forth. I was actually looking at the uh, schedule. The central teams at times, man, they get screwed over by playing one home game, one road game, another home game, another road game. I And I get that the travel's not as far distance-wise. I understand that. But you're still changing time zones. You know what? Uh, you're getting in a little bit late. It's not ideal. Not ideal. Now, they don't have the distance of travel that Vancouver or Pacific Division teams or even Edmonton. But, man, jetting up and down? Not uh, not ideal. It's why I've always thought the NHL, and I'm, I'm still perplexed why after the COVID year and you saw like two-game series, like why wouldn't Edmonton? Now, I get the, uh, the Eastern Conference probably can't do it. Although, you know, what about going like Edmonton? Why not go to L.A., play two games, San Jose, play two games? Next road trip, you go to Arizona, two games, Anaheim, two games. Or heck, you could do L.A. and Anaheim, two in L.A., two in Anaheim, You're done, right? The years that you play there twice, like, why wouldn't you? How It adds a little animosity. It saves if you're looking for green, right, because now you're not flying as often. Your players are more rested. Your fans are more engaged because there may be a little bit more animosity in the games. Tell me why even to have like 10 of those a year, eight to start, I don't care to me it would make sense. Right? They make a lot of sense. I th- I think it would add something to it. Now you don't have to always play back to back either. Cuz think about it, you go on a road trip, you don't play every game back to back. You play a Monday, then you're in another city on a Wednesday. Well, what if you don't have to fly, you just stay at the same place. What's the difference? So, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'm out to lunch on this, but they did it in COVID. And I think people liked it. It it definitely adds something uh, at least for me. So, uh, we'll get into all of it. Uh, here's kind of the, the numbers at the end of it when you look at the schedule remaining. For the orders, they have the most games, 37. They also have the most sets of back-to-back. They have eight. Amongst the top teams, the next closest is L.A., Dallas, and St. Louis each have five. Winnipeg, Seattle, Colorado, Nashville have four. Vancouver has three sets of back-to-back, and Vegas only has two. Vegas plays the fewest games, 32. They have the fewest games against top 10 current teams. And by the way, if you're wondering who the top 10 teams are, well, it's the top six in the West. Edmonton, Vegas, Vancouver, Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg. Rangers, Carolina, Boston, Florida. Those are the top 10 teams. And Vegas only has eight games against top 10 teams. And they have 12 against bottom feeders, so then they play um 12 games against like teams ranked uh, 11 to 21. Or 11-22, yeah. So the orders, hey, you got to make up those games in hand. That's why next week's game I think is pretty large. You win that game. Now you're three back of Vegas with five games in hand. Yeah, you're going to have a little bit more of a condensed schedule, especially in April. You're not going to win all your games in hand, but now you don't have to. Heck, you can go 2-2-1 two, two, and one in your games in hand and you're ahead of them. So uh, that's why that game next Tuesday, I think, not only for the record, but maybe even arguably bigger uh, for home ice advantage. Um, uh, Home and away, it's pretty even across the board. Edmonton has 18 at home, 19 away. Uh, L.A. is 18 home, 17 away. Seattle, Nashville, Vegas, all are sick, or sorry, St. Louis. They're all 16 home, 16 away. They're all even. Uh, Dallas actually has the, and Winnipeg have the biggest discrepancy. They both have three more road games than uh, away games. 15-18 for Dallas and 16-19 for the uh, Winnipeg Jets. So you can uh, you can see all the numbers, and, uh, and we got a lot of text coming in already at uh, 833-401-1440 in our EUL inbox, 833-401-1440 on the, uh, on the schedule. It, uh, it'll it be great. Hey, Gregor, I love that idea, man. Sometimes I plan a trip down to L.A. It'd be awesome to catch two games because sometimes one's a dud. From du- from Frank, yeah, hey man, I agree with you. When you make it point that way, it actually makes a lot of sense. Now, I-, I get you can't do it to every team. I totally understand it, and I'm not saying every time it's going to work, right? but uh, a few times, why not? Hey, Greg says home ice advantage really that advantage. It seems like there's more pressure on the home team. However, a game seven is a different story. Well, Craig, you just answered your own question, my man. Bingo. You and and home ice advantage historically in the NHL. Matters more the deeper you go in the playoffs. If you look at the winning percentage of the home team in round one, it's much lower than it is in round two, round three, and then in round four. And in Game Seven, obviously, it's, it doesn't mean you win every game, but Game Seven is an advantage for sure to have it on home ice. So, I uh, is it a necessity? No, but it's sure a nice luxury. That's the that's the way I look at that. Uh, coming up today, we got uh, Sean Brown in studio, uh, Kenny Albert. Who knew that, uh, Kenny Albert, big Swifty fan? No, of course, uh, that guy can call every sport, man. He's unreal as a play by play guy. Does the NHL, does the NFL, does the NBA? Uh, it's great. So, uh, Kenny Albert's going to join us today. Dave McCarthy will be by Jason Strudwick, spec DVD. Man, we are loaded on a Tuesday. Also, uh, Ryan Ford, uh, former, uh, boxer, uh, mixed martial artist going to join us in studio. We're going to talk a little, uh, boxing as well as, uh, MMA as, uh, he, uh, dives into the uh, promotion game. And uh, how's, how's that across? Hey, we see a lot of athletes go from players to coaches or players to management. Well, what about being uh, a fighter then getting into the uh, promotion side of thing? How uh, how different is it? So uh, we'll talk to uh, Ryan about that. Uh, lots of texts, as I mentioned, eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 We got lots of... Uh, Gregor, I see everybody uh, wondering about the uh, CC1 and uh, which names are are available or not which ones are realistic, I guess, is my question. That one comes from uh, Alistair. Well, who knows who's realistic, right? Chris Tanev's name is one. No, William Carrier's name is one. Um, you know, a lot of people are high on Sean Walker. So I see all of them do some things better than Cody Cece, for sure. I think Sean Walker is better at puck retrievals, better at puck moving. Same as William Carrier. Now, the challenge... And I think this is a legit one because these guys aren't elite. They're not Kale McCarr. They're not Adam Fox. They're not Quinn Hughes. So that to me is elite. I don't think size matters as much in elite. When you get down to the next rung, size on your blue line matters. It's not, it's not a, it's not, a, it's not magical that St. Louis, huge defense, Tampa Bay, monster defense. Look at Colorado's defense. Okay. Hey, their smallest guy got hurt. He didn't play. And who they fill them in with? Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson, Manson, huge guys, right? Not only, not only just in height, but we're talking 220 pounds, 230 pounds. You can move guys around. Time and space in the playoffs is crucial. We all know the game gets more physical, right? It does. We've all watched it. This is not, look at the hit chart. You know, you you look at hits per game in the playoffs compared to the regular season. It's not even comparable. Like, it's almost laughable how different it is, right? So, Size matters, I think, more when you're non-elite. For the elite guys, Kale McCarr, obviously, he's elite. It's not a big issue. But I don't see Sean Walker as elite. And so Sean Walker, right now, him and Sealer, they've been playing second pair minutes. In Edmonton, I know a lot of people say, hey, Bouchard and uh, Ekholm are the number one pair. They got better numbers, no question. But they also play 300 more minutes with McDavid, five on five. Now, I'm not saying it's a wrong decision. I'm just pointing out that's a fact. So when you play with right now, arguably the best line in hockey, guess what? You're going to have better numbers. You're going to get better numbers offensively that sometimes a defenseman has nothing to do with. You're going to have better defensive numbers because you don't have to defend as much. Now, Bouchard's the best offensive defenseman the owners have. It makes sense to play him with McDavid's line. I get why the coach does it. I'm just pointing out the fact that Nurse plays basically the same amount of minutes versus Elite. He just doesn't play with McDavid nearly as much. So when you, and hey, I like dry, subtle, you like the other lines, but they're not McDavid's line. That's just the truth. So whoever, if you want to replace CeCe, whoever you're going to replace him with has to be somebody that you know is going to be comfortable playing big minutes against elites. Usually without your top line on the ice. So that's just how it is. Now, is Sean Walker that guy? Me personally, and everybody's going to have, everybody's allowed to have a different opinion. I don't want, I'm, I'm not trusting 5'11 defenders who aren't elite in the playoff. I don't want those guys in my top pair. And right now, you, you can say Bouchard and Ekholm are your top pair, fine. But the Nurse pair plays basically the same minutes. He just plays less minutes with McDavid versus elite. So I would argue that that's probably a harder matchup, right? Is, is that is that a fair statement? If you're playing the same amount of minutes versus elite, but you play without McDavid and the other guy plays twice as much as you with McDavid... Their minutes are going to be technically an easier matchup. So I look at that and say, is Sean Walker the guy for me? Me personally, I'd be hesitant. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I prob- I think William Carrier is a better defender than Walker. Walker's a better puck retriever, better puck mover. Now, Chris Tanev is the best pure defender of the three. It's not much of a debate. And he's an, he's an okay puck mover, but he's not a great puck retriever. And, uh, you know, Darcy McLeod did a really good deep dive insight on, you know, nurse, like any defenseman, if you gave nurse a, a better puck retriever as a partner, is because if you look at nurse's numbers away from CeCe, granted, limited ice time, they're actually really good. Now, is that just because you're on switches and you know it's short time and it bads up? Fair point, right? When I look at the goals against for Cody CeCe, and and we can talk about chances and everything, but it's it's like for years... Alan Mitchell and I tried to explain to people. Oh, well, look at Chris Russell; he's got he's got bad, you know, all these numbers. Except his goal for against was never bad. What's the most important statistic? It's goal for and against all day long. It counts more than chances. Chances don't score; goals count. You don't win the game because you have more chances. You win the game because you have more goals than the other team, right? It's that simple. You don't win because you get more chances. You would like to think that you that it helps you. But it doesn't guarantee it, right? That's just the truth. So, wh- when I look at at the orders, and I'm I'm looking at Cody CC kind of how he's being used, right, for the orders on the back end, and since he's uh, you've brought in Knoblock, right? His his numbers are 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 decent. They're not great, right? And so I can understand why people say, hey, can you upgrade CeCe? I get it. And it makes sense. But there's two things at play here. Carrier and Walker make less money than Cody CeCe. So many people are saying how bad Cody CeCe is. So think about that. You're saying he's a bad player, but then you want the Orders GM to trade him for a guy with less cap space. Why would Nashville do this? Why would Philly do it? If there are teams that are kind of retooling now, Cece has a year left on his contract. He's a, he's a solid NHL defenseman, but you're claiming he's not very good. So what? How much more do you have to add to make that trade worthwhile? Right. That's my question. Like, so you can say you want the players, but like, it would be a miracle, I think, to make another Matias Ekholm trade. Those trades are they're rare, where you can make a trade like that and really win it. And it helps you right away. Now, maybe, you know what? Maybe the draft pick and Schaefer down the road, they'll they'll turn out. But it's been a clear win for Edmonton. No question. Those are hard. Like, you don't see a lot of them. So wanting another one, I understand it. Having it realistic, it's totally two different conversations. And I'd have to look deep dive into, like, I'm just leery. I look at Walker's numbers. A, he doesn't have a long track record. He's had a good run in Philly. Now let's see what's happened here lately in Philly. Because their numbers are slowly coming down. Sean Walker a month ago, numbers were better. Right? Philly's starting to struggle a little bit. So is he maybe coming back down to earth a bit? Him and Nick Sealer. Right? So if it was me and I had a choice between him and Carrier, I'd be more comfortable with Carrier. But I think it's a hard trade to make because you're trying to move out a guy with a higher cap hit. Who you claim has deficiencies in his game? Then how much more are you going to have to add on to that? And no offense, William Carrier—I don't view him in the same light as I view Matthias Ekholm. That's the other thing, right? Like Matthias Ekholm was a guy who went to the Stanley Cup Final. You know, he was a solid defenseman for a long time. All right. So the—I I think the upgrade from last year. I understand why all other fans want it, but it's a lot harder to make this time. That's all I'm saying. It's harder to make. Two twenty-two uh, will return. We got uh, lots of texts coming in. To talk a little uh, uh, MMA and promotion, and more on the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Two twenty-six. So we continue on. Sports fourteen forty. Orders Nation YouTube and Facebook. A uh, happy Tuesday, man. We got a loaded, loaded program for you today. Uh, Ryan Ford joining us uh, in studio. Coming up uh, right away. We're gonna have uh, Spec and DVD Sean Brown. Of course, uh, will be our regular uh, Tuesday uh, guest host. We'll have uh, Dave McCarthy. Uh, As always, uh, lots of hockey talk, uh, lots of uh, some football chatter, and uh, we're going to start talking a little uh, combat sports as uh, we get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by Silent Rides Charter Company, one of Alberta's premier bus charter companies. it will state stay-of-the-art motor coaches that will safely take you or your group to your next destination. Book your ride today at silentrides.ca. A, and, uh, a gentleman who usually when I interview him, it was always about him being the fighter or the boxer, the, uh, the mixed martial artist. But, uh, now Ryan King, it's the, uh, the promoter. It's, uh, it's a little, we'll get you to pull that mic a little bit closer to you, but it's a, it's a, it's
3: a little bit of a different gig for you. It's a different grind, I tell you that. <laughs> it's so much easier to just show up and fight. There's only one thing to do. <laughs> you know, well, cutting weight uh,
2: at times could be challenging. Although I guess when you, once you got used to it over time, you'd do it. So, kind of take me back to you know what got, what got you in the in the because there's a lot of athletes who get into coaching or they get into managing, right? And um, you know I've I've had a few mixed martial arts guys who who want to you
3: know try their hand in the promotion game. So what kind of what piqued your interest? Well, you know it's uh coming that time here, I got a couple left in me, and um you know, I still want to stick around the sport, you know, I have the gym at Wolf House, um you know, I got fighters, I'm coaching too, so um you know, it's just like, why not do the promotion? you know, this will keep me in the game, okay? till I'm real old Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true, so
2: so your first card's coming up this Saturday, and um, what has been the
3: biggest eye opener for you? running a promotion of an event. Well, you know, everybody says they want to own their own business, but they don't understand it's not a 9 to 5 where it just shuts off at 5 o'clock. I'm like, this is 24-7, you know, the phone's ringing. You know, if a fight gets canceled, you got to get back on that, switch these flights. So, yeah, the biggest thing is just making sure all of the ducks are lined up. You know, that's the biggest thing. And then Saturday come, you know, it's like all the work you do. It's just like a fight. You put all that eight weeks into a training camp, and then come fight night, that's the premiere. Um you know, you, you
2: worked, uh, you know, or I guess worked for, uh, Mark Pavlich for a long time. Uh, have you reached out to guys who've done this before to, to get any advice as you go through it? Like our know, Mel and, and boxing that when someone all of a sudden cancels, you're like, what the, like, you know, cause you got to work in visas. You got to make sure that people can get in here and then someone's canceled they their flight canceled. Like who have you, who have you leaned on during
3: this? Um, you know, I've, I've reached out to Mel for sure. You know, she's was the one who her and her dad, uh, you know, RIP Milan, but, um, uh, her and her dad were the ones who had boxing here, Yep. you know, and um, uh, so, yes, I've reached out to her to, you know, just get those little things, you know, because I've been around the sport, you know, just on the other end. But when I was doing it, I knew this was probably going to be what I'm going to end up doing when I'm done fighting. So, you know, I was always watching, listening, hearing what was going on and. Today, you know, it's, uh, we ran a bunch of 15 amateur shows during COVID and stuff. So we were getting used to, you know, running amateur shows, but. It's a big difference when things got to get paid. Amateurs is free, yeah. you know? Now when you're paying, it's a big jump, right? Yeah, well,
2: you you want to get sponsors, and you want to make sure you can give them a purse that makes fighters want to come and, and be on your card. So it's this Saturday, and, uh, you know, it's it's Combat Sports Series, yeah. right? Now, you, of course, uh, starting with your dad, uh, boxing was in your genes, right? Your dad obviously was an unbelievable boxer. You did boxing. You did mixed martial arts. Uh, and you did boxing again. If you had a pick...
3: Are you a boxer or are you a mixed martial artist? See, everybody always says that to me, and I say I'm a fighter. Yeah. If it makes dollars, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> is there one you liked better, though? You know, I will tell you, um, they're two, like, they're, very, diff- oh, they're t- totally they're different, different. You know, yeah. it's like saying, you know, uh, NFL football and PGA golf. You know, it's, just, it's that big of a difference, right? The one thing I really loved about mixed martial arts is you can be more ruthless you know there's so much more weapons that you have whereas boxing it's more of a chess game you know like things that you do in mma you cannot do in boxing you know or you'll get caught real quick and you'll be like oh well i can't do that right so i can't really say that i love one more than the other because i i just love to fight so Yeah. yeah you know but um I'll tell you right now, the big money's in boxing. Yeah. <laughs> As you can see, yes. you know, all around the world, that's where it's at. And 100%. That's why everybody's doing it. But um, yeah, you know, I just love combat sports, period. And
2: so uh, you're a combat, you know, you've, you've got uh, uh, Vegas style boxing. You also have kickboxing, right, uh, on your card. So for, for fans that are going to come down to it, it's not just a boxing, uh, you know, kickboxing, very different.
3: Yes, very different. And actually, um, so the kickboxing, we said kickboxing, but really it's Muay Thai. Okay. So, um, and this is going to be the first time ever in Edmonton, well, we're on Enoch, but um, first ever Muay Thai with four-ounce gloves. Oh. So you're wearing MMA gloves. So that brings it even that more exciting. And, uh, you know, they've been talking about it ever since 1FC implemented the Muay Thai with four-ounce gloves, that this sport is the most exciting sport in the world.
2: Remember. Now, why, is
3: it just because there's more chance of like more chance of knockouts, more chance of knockouts? It's it's just more of exciting. You don't get the pausing when it comes to the ground or up against the cage. This is you know, fists, elbows, knees, kicks. You got everything. So. Three-minute rounds. It's a fast-paced round for
2: four-ounce gloves. <laughs> nah, uh, Ryan Ford joins us. And, of course, uh, this Saturday night, at, uh, it's at the River Creek. No, nope, it's nope. at the Enoch Community Center. It's at the Enoch Community It's about Center. five minutes
3: down oh, from okay, the River just Cree.
2: down. Oh, I don't think I've been there actually. I think I know exactly where it is, but I don't think I've seen a fight there. So, what
3: like what's the um, what's the capacity? What can you squeeze in there? So, this one uh, we'll have a thousand people. Okay, um, this is a thousand people, and um, so you are
2: packed in there. Every seat in the house is pretty good. It's seat.
3: gonna be it's gonna be packed. You know, we have uh, Ben Alvarez. You know, he's up and coming heavyweight here. He's fighting for the Canadian Classic Heavyweight Title, and as well, he's going to be fighting for the UBO North American um, Title as well. So, there is two belts up for grabs in the main event. Yeah, you you know the importance of you know I think Edmonton
2: has a really good history of being a boxing community you go way back to you know Kenny Lacusa actually just saw Scotty the Bulldog Olson um, at uh, at Robin Brownlee's um, uh, celebration of life and you know some guys you know there's lots of pretty good boxers have come out of here obviously you know you go back to Willie DeWitt had fought here a few times you know yourself and you go through it and um, you know the, there's something like the heavyweight division is just it's a little bit different right like there's people go there because. Not that the fighting's necessarily better, it's just you got bigger guys and there's more of a probability of a KO and fans still seem to gravitate towards that.
3: A hundred percent. You know, when you're putting a guy who's 220 pounds in the ring with 10 ounce gloves, it's a 50-50 chance who's going to get knocked out. And that's the thing with our main event, it's going to be exciting. It's a 10 round fight, but I'll tell you, it will not go 10 rounds. We got Jay Byard. He's the Eastern and Western Canadian champion right now. Six-fight win streak, six knockouts. All right? Now we got Ben Alvarez up and coming. Five-fight win streak, five knockouts. <laughs> so somebody's getting knocked out. Just who's getting knocked out is going to be. <laughs> so, you know, Ryan, when, when you uh, when you fought,
2: uh, and obviously you're still fighting, but you know what? You are a guy who is very emotional. I think you're very aggressive. Uh, you know that was kind of you know very athletic. Uh, when you look, when you're a promoter and and you're trying to pick fights, and you're a guy who's still in it, is it easier, or do you have to take a step back to be like, okay, I I just want a slobber knocker, and well, we don't want all my fights to end in one round, right? So yeah. how, how do
3: you balance that now? I have to balance it because you know the inner fighter is always in me, but I need to understand that. Every fighter is not me. Right. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that's the thing is, you know, matching the fights. And that's a big thing that with my promotion, what's going to happen is there is going to be our local fighters on the card. But our local fighters are also going to be tested. Now, you know, you're not going to get a guy come in and watch him mop the floor in the first round with a fighter. I don't want that fight. I want these guys to be challenged, you know. My nickname was The Real Deal for a reason, because I was a Real Deal when I stepped in the ring, the cage, and outside, right? So that's what I want is these being real fights, you know? We have um, a Ukrainian kid from our gym, came from Ukraine about a year ago. Uh, He has 150-plus amateur fights. He's 24 years old. We brought him here into... 150? See, and that's a difference that a lot of guys in Canada don't understand, like... These other countries, when they do boxing, it's life. Yeah. twenty-four years old, hundred fifty plus amateur fights. I got guys in my gym who're twenty-six, 27 years old, eight, nine amateur fights. Yeah. Big difference there. Now this kid, we brought. He came to our gym. We started training him, and um, every tournament he went to, he's wiping out everybody. And he's like, "Coach, I want to go pro." Okay, well, we're going to turn him pro. And the guy that he's fighting is going to be a guy who's 3-1 and one with two knockouts. So if this is his pro debut, he's fighting a guy with four fights with three with two knockouts, right? So it's going to be um, a challenging fight. I want guys to be challenged. I don't want, you know, you go to some shows and you watch and you see, oh, this guy just gets three punches and he's knocked out. You know, I don't want that. I want people to see this is real fighting, real boxing.
2: Well, the the one thing I always had to an irk about boxing I felt like was as guys got up then once it got to a certain level then they just protected the fighter and they would they would take fights that could pad their stats but it, you know and, and it wasn't somebody that was really going to be dangerous against him somebody had a good chin and they could go four or five rounds but ultimately you know boxer a would win and now he's improved to 10 and zero, and then he's 12 and oh but the record is is somewhat inflated right and and we've seen that then all of a sudden you move up a level now you fight someone good and boom it's chaos it's, and now you're getting crushed so i understand the importance you don't want to put a an entry level guy in against a super experienced guy cuz he'll get his head knocked off and that's yeah. it's unsafe you don't want that how do you find that like as a guy who was in it right still in it so you would kind of remember that what's a safe level to challenge yourself how do you find that
3: yeah you know and that's that's a thing with boxing because there's so much politics behind that people don't see right and um it's a big money sport so what becomes big money becomes you know a business right Mm -hmm. and it's it's hard for that because you know um unless you have that promoter backing you with the big money and everything it's hard to become a world champion it just it's just real you know um whereas you know you get a guy like myself i like to take risks because for me and i tell my fighters with no risk comes no reward You know, I could have stayed here and did my boxing, fighting Mexicans, bringing them in, making a little bit of money. But really, where does that move me in the world? Whereas, you know, you take a fight against a risky fight overseas against a guy who's ranked. You never know. You beat him. That could be your big shot. You, used
2: to, you went to, you, like I noticed the last four or five years of your career. You know you fought on the road a lot. Yep. Um and, and you fought in, and I would say, no offense to Canadians, but in in much more kind of established boxing countries. Is that fair?
3: One hundred percent.
2: Yeah. How was that experience for
3: you? It it was it was different. That's for sure. Like, um, like I've been Germany, Russia, England, Poland. I've been all over, and it's like you come there. These people treat you like you are somebody big, even if you're not a big, just because you're a sportsman. They call it sportsmen out there, okay. and um, it's different because, like, you, s- there's so much funding for the sport. Mm-hmm. So you know, like, that's why you see most of the world champions are from different countries, not Canada, right? Yeah. Uh, or guys come from different countries with that big amateur background and then come to Canada and most likely end up in Montreal because Montreal is where. The best boxers in Canada are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's, um, the different, it's, it, it was a real big eye opener because, you know, I'm showing up. I'm fighting on the Lomachenko undercard in the O2 arena, 90,000 people. You know, like it's like, man, this like is not, like, can you explain to our listeners?
2: Cause you know, you'd fought in places, you know, sold out for 5,000 people, 7,000, but now you're in a 90,000 stadium and it's sold out. And, you know, you're, you're in the ring, and it's a very small ring when you think about a ninety 90,000-seat a 90, oh, stadium, yeah, right? You're like in. Some people need binoculars in some of those seats to see it. But when you walk in there, like, can you describe how different the sound is?
3: Oh, it's, yeah. Like, you know, I, I've sold out, fought on sold-out shows here in Edmonton, and over there is just another level. You know, it's like, uh, man, how could I put it? like just making that walk you yeah. have a 200 foot walk to the ring from where you are right so it's you're hearing people from all over fans not fans people booing it's like and then you get in the ring and you look around and you're like looking way up you know it's uh it's an experience but then that's something where you need to rise to the occasion in front of those people right that's something that I loved it's like man more people here okay i got to be on point
2: did you find the first time did you have to rein in your energy? Like, did you almost punch yourself out in the first round? Because you're so jacked up, right? Like, oh, my God, like, I just feel the energy here. And then all of a sudden, you come to sit down after one round. And you're like, oh, my God, like, I really almost blew myself up right there in that first round.
3: You know what? It's weird because that's happened. That usually happens in all my fights. Okay. It's weird. <laughs> like, you know, I know I'm ready because I've trained hard to get to the fight. And then the first round will happen, and I'll come back, sit down, and I'll be like, why am I so tired? But then I'll go back out, and it's like, I'm not, right? Yeah. So it's um, a lot of mixed emotions come when you're fighting in a different place like that, right? Like, the first time that I flew away and fought was in Siberia, Russia, <laughs> you know? Like, I heard about Siberian Tigers, but I'm like, <sighs> I'm actually in Siberia now, you know? And when we fought in this venue, it was a, it was a nice size stadium, probably about 10, 12,000 people. Uh, but I fought a former um, world champion, Fedor Chudinov. And, you know, they made us walk out to the ring, stand in the ring, and now it's his time. So what they try to do, because you're in enemy territory, nothing works for you. Yes. So now I'm standing in the ring. My coach says, Ryan, keep your jacket on, right? He's like, what they're going to do, they're going to try to make you get cold, right? So we're standing in the ring. His music comes on. All this stuff comes down. All of a sudden, this guy comes walking out, and he's walking a bear, Like, I'm like, I'm like trying to stay focused, but I'm looking and I see this bear walking on his two feet and the guy's like has it on a leash. And they love the Russian bears over there. Oh, they they, love it over there. Right. So it it was funny because when it came to my corner, my other two corner men were down on the ground. And as soon as the bear like came by, boom, they were up in the ring. (laughs) But yeah, you know, it's just different things. You have to adapt to the situations, right. That you're put in because when you're a B side fighter fighting on the road, they're going to do everything they can to try to mess with you
2: yeah. did was there ever one where it worked? Did you ever feel like they got you off your game for a little time?
3: um No, you know because I was always I was always straight up with them, this is what I want. if it ain't, it needs to change or I'm not fighting. Okay you know where most people like you got to be very mentally strong. That's you know, especially in boxing period even when on the fight, the mentality has to be there, or if it's not, you're already losing. So, you know, I always knew I was going to be, when I'm traveling and I'm going to fight, I always knew they're going to try to pull something, right? Don't faze me. You what, know? What,
2: what Can you give us something that they tried to pull that you maybe you chuckle about now that, you know, that you kept your calm but maybe irked you?
3: Uh, well, the first, I fought in Germany, and, you know, I told them um, when me and my corners come, we all got to go, we all get put in a room, single rooms, each single room's. So we get to Germany, uh, the Uber driver picks us up, we go and meet the promoter, he gives us our per diem money, and then he says, okay.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to
2: inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous
0: two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!"
3: This to the hotel you go to well he sends us to this hotel and literally i open up my door to the to the hotel and it was like a box <laughs> like you know and i specifically said in my in my uh contract i need a bath because yeah. that's how i cut weight how i start using to cut my weight and stuff and no bath stand up shower like literally a room like i could put both my ha- arms out like this and that is my room <laughs> You know, and then I'm like, no, this isn't happening, right? So I made the call, say, hey, you need to put us in a hotel room. I said, I'm not staying here. And, uh, you know, I said, it's a 12-round title fight. Like, you know, we're not staying here. So then, oh, find a hotel, put us in. Okay, I found the Holiday Inn in Germany, in Cologne, Germany, you know? Perfect. This is a hotel that I'm used to, you know? And, uh, you know, and then just little things about gloves and this and that. Like, you know, they just... Every little thing, they'll try to off off your game, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I can see it. Ryan Ford joins We'll come back. I want to talk about the uh, big event coming up uh, this Saturday here on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live on Orders Nation, YouTube and Facebook. Oh, yeah. Con man, great tune, of course. Fitting as we uh, continue on here on Sports 1440. Our big guest of the day today brought to you by Silent Rides Charter Company. Uh Ryan Ford, of course, uh, still got a few fights left in him, he says, Uh, but uh, he's uh, in the promotion game, and uh, this Saturday night, uh, real deal promotions will uh, put out. You've, you've done some amateur, but this is your first pro one, Ryan. We
3: talked about it. To, are there still some tickets available? Yes, there's some tickets available. I believe on Eventbrite, um, also your local fighters, and then um, there'll be tickets at the door too to come. You know, there's. I know there's a there's there's a few left, but I'm pretty sure there's not going to be much because yeah, I just had another fighter come meet me and ask for a hundred more tickets. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's going
2: well. That's great, and you know what you. And I think you remember that because I I think some of our listeners maybe forget that part of the game when you're, you know, you said off the top, Ah, you know, when you're a fighter, you only had to worry about fighting. I'm like, well, not 100 percent because you guys used to make a little bit more money. If you could sell some tickets, you, so you kind of got used to it in a small way early in your career. I'm sure the last few years you didn't have to worry about it, but the you know early in your career, I remember you know like lots of promoters wanted you on the car because they knew that you know you'd have buddies and they would sell some tickets and you had your you know you had your posse there and everything like that. So there was a way to kind of you know dip your toe in a little bit of understanding how it is to go out there and sell some tickets.
3: No, for sure, and you know, and this is uh, it's actually a conversation that I had with my fighters uh, the other day. I was like. Everybody always asks how I got what I got from fighting and this and this. And I said, guys, I'm like, you need to understand one thing. Not only are you a fighter. I said, yes, you could be a good fighter and everything, but you have to sell a package to people. Yeah, You know, it, it's everything. You have to talk to the people. You have to, like, I said, social media is free. I said, back when I was fighting, people had to pay to be in the newspaper. <laughs> I said, now you have thousands of pages you can be on for free if you make one post. Yeah. I said, you know, I said, that's the biggest thing is, getting the connection with the fans, right? I said, guys, after the fight, you stick around for the hour. I said, I was that guy after my fight on the main event. I'm still outside of my change room signing people's autographs, taking pictures, letting them feel that, you know, that they just didn't pay. They're actually getting a connection with you too. And that's what builds the fan base,
2: yeah, right? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and you need that. So tell me a little bit about Alvarez and, and, your main event. Uh, you know, what do you like about Alvarez? Obviously, you know, you've seen him. Well, what do you like about his, his yeah, skill set?
3: yeah. You know, well, um, me and Ben, we've been sparring partners from like way back in the, the old Panther gym days. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, have seen Ben, uh, move up the amateur rankings, you know, golden gloves champion, I believe national champion. um, you know, he was called for um, Canelo's training camp when, uh, when he was fighting Kovalov because they needed a tall, slender, long guy. Oh, okay. And Ben Alvarez was that guy. So, you know, he's been put in camps with Canelo, hmm. done lots of rounds with him. Um, and, yeah, he switched over to our gym at Wolf House. He's been working with uh, my partner Parvez in the coaching business. And, um, and yeah, I just – he's young. He's hungry. That's the biggest thing, you know. I, I, I see it in his eyes. Like after, after training, it's just he's hungry. He wants to fight. And he doesn't have an easy task in front of him. You know, he's fighting Jay Byron from BC. Um, this guy has grown up boxing too. Um, you know, he, he did have a lengthy time away for something that he did when he was young. And, um, you know, he's came back. He's won the East and West Canadian titles, and he's on a six-fight win streak right now. So, um, you know, like like I said, this has been six fight, and he's not fighting a tomato can. Yeah. He's fighting a guy that's coming to fight and coming to knock you out. So, this fight alone is going to be fireworks at the end of the night.
2: You've you've been to a, you know a lot of cards over the years. Um, you've been there as a fighter lot, so it's easy to be into it. Yep how do you think it's going to be as the promoter when you're walking around? You know, you, you got to manage a lot of people. Right? You got to make sure everything's going. And then you want to, you know, you're you're emotionally invested in all the fights because you want them. You, you want both guys to do well, yep. right? And so how do you kind of balance that? You're not necessarily like you're cheering for
3: both, but you know that somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. Yeah, and you know what the crazy thing about this fight card <laughs> is? I, I don't get to sit back and watch the show. I'm actually going to be in the corner with most of these fighters from my gym. Oh, really? So, you know, me and uh, my partner Parvez, we're both going to be in the corner. And, I, you know, this was came up the other day. I was like, man, I was like, we're not even going to see what we put on until we watch it on TV after. I said, because we're going to be in the corners. Because out of the, all the fights, I think we're not cornering for two fights. All the rest, you know, we're in the main event. We're in the co-main event. We're on the 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 first fight, you know, so it's it's gonna be hard, but you know it's gonna there's gonna be that time where it transitions, but right now, you know been helping training these guys, so you know it's only right to be in the corner with them, they feel comfortable yeah and um it's gonna get to that point though, whereas I'm gonna be the guy walking around in the suit and enjoying myself and still running things, so we do have we do the thing about the gym we have a lot of volunteers at our gym. You know, So we have people that can take care of the things that need to be taken care of when we're at the show that we don't have to worry about that.
2: Ryan Ford joins us. So, the, of course, you got the two Canadians in the main event. Uh, you got the Dimitro Samburov, the Ukrainian boy, who's now fighting uh, out of your gym, uh, taking on uh, Carrillo. Uh, Tim Lowe, another Canadian in, in Muay Thai. Uh, you've got uh, an all-Canadian matchup, uh, Dixon-Macheo uh, versus uh, Olivier uh, uh Satumbi. Uh, You also have uh, Alexandra Lopez taking on uh, Cecilia Aguilar. So you got obviously uh, some women on the card as well. You got Mexican fighters, you got American fighters, uh, Ukrainian, Canadian. So it's really, you know, well versed, a well versed card
3: that way. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is we want to, you know, this is our first show, but it's not going to be our first show. You know, I want to make this a big, big event in Canada um you know with the mixed combat right it's not just going to be boxing you're going to have the Muay Thai with the four ounce gloves as well and um you know the the Alexander um this kid from Ukraine he's done a bunch of amateur boxings did some amateur Muay Thai and now he's turning pro against a guy from Washington who I believe is like 50 60 fights amateur Muay Thai and um you know coming in to take on him um Another, uh, another guy that, you know, I want to speak of is Tim Lowe. He's, uh, a Muay Thai fighter out of Sherwood Park. He's okay. actually won, just won the WBC Muay Thai Championship. Oh, really? And, um, you know, this guy is somebody, you know, he, he, he's like, man, he's like four ounce gloves, you know, he's used to fighting in traditional 10 ounce gloves, right? So he's excited that, you know, he gets to put on some gloves that feel like your hands, right? And, um, you know, I've watched some of his fights and, you know this guy's going to be be somebody to be watching for sure
2: well, I look forward to it, uh, Ryan. Uh, continued success. Uh, uh, good to hear you got a few fights uh, left in you, but uh, as you mentioned uh, during the break, you're like, hey, man, I'm starting to feel it uh, a little bit for the first time. And hey, you know, age catches up to everybody. It does, it right? does. But um, you know what? Uh, uh, you're in your early 40s and uh, definitely not looking like it. So uh, b- best of luck in, in, in this uh, in this weekend's event and uh, continued success in the future. All right, man. Thank you very much for having me. You betcha. That's uh, Ryan, the Real Deal Ford, and of course, uh, Real Deal Promotions with their uh, their first card. and uh, getting tickets on event bright uh this Saturday night if you like boxing and muay thai it's a uh, card with both uh, specialties both disciplines happening so should be a lot of fun 257 uh Sean Brown will uh, join us in studio uh when we return also uh, Kenny Albert is uh is going to join us uh talking all things sports uh, one of the most uh, ver- uh diverse play-by-play guy in the industry. He has done lots of big games and lots of big sports. And I'll, I, I was laughing the other day, I was looking at his Twitter. He was showing a picture of uh, him and uh, Taylor Swift back because uh, he became a dad of the year, he said in his post, when he got a picture of uh, Taylor Swift for his daughter. So, hey, you know what? The, as a dad, you got to be on the ball. And he laughed to go, she was a sports fan before Kelsey because this picture is from like four or five years ago at uh, at Madison Square Garden. So uh, we'll talk to Kenny about that and more after the con man in a sports 1440 update brought to you by... BIE Engineering specializes in all your residential, commercial, and industrial, structural engineering needs. Go to bieeng.com.